Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 12th of December. Buildings around Queensland have been lit up in blue and white overnight in honour of the two young police officers who were killed in a horror mass shooting on Monday afternoon. They were ambushed and shot dead during the siege at the Western Downs property, which ended with six people killed. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese is among those who are continuing to pay tribute this morning to the young officers and a hero neighbour who was also killed, describing their deaths as a tragic loss of life. Three lives cruelly cut short. This is indeed a devastating day for everyone who loved these Australians. And our hearts go out to those in the grip of terrible grief. And as our Queensland reporter Tara Cassidy explains, the police officers were just starting their careers. Constables Rachel McCrow and Matthew Arnold were stationed at the Tara Police Station in rural Queensland before being sent to a Wyambilla property Monday night to search for missing person and former New South Wales Principal Nathaniel Train. Queensland police say the pair were met with a hail of gunshots and died at the scene. Neighbour Alan Dare was also killed. Two of the three shooters were yesterday identified as brothers Gareth and Nathaniel Train, who were later shot by police. Tributes from family and friends of the slain officers remembered them as much-loved, brave and role models. The Queensland Police Union has set up a sanctioned remembrance fund for the officers' families. The Queensland Police Commissioner says authorities will investigate every avenue to find out exactly what was behind the mass shooting. Katarina Carroll telling the ABC the lives of the three offenders will be a key focus. Whether it be premeditated, uh, some of the stuff that's online, you know, from these people, we will investigate what they have been doing, not only in recent weeks, but in recent years. Meantime, the mass shooting has now put gun ownership in Australia back under scrutiny. Tim Quinn from Gun Control Australia says despite tough regulations, he still wants to see improvements to the screening process of prospective gun owners. Currently, if I was looking at registering a firearm for somebody in New South Wales, it wouldn't check a family court or other registries or AVOs or anything in other states. That would be a manual process if they felt like there was something that needed to be checked. In other news, this Wednesday morning, a confidential compensation settlement has been reached between the federal government and Brittany Higgins. The former Liberal Party staffers' legal team announcing they've reached a deal just after one day of mediation. They met with the Commonwealth yesterday after the sexual assault trial of Liberal staffer Bruce Lerman was dropped. Bali bomb maker Umar Patek has apologised to Australians for his role in the 2002 terror attacks. Patek was last week granted parole after serving half of his original 20-year sentence. He's told reporters he's sincerely sorry for his involvement when arriving at a de-radicalisation centre in East Java. I also apologise to the Australians who also experienced a very great impact from the Bali bombing crime that occurred. That translation thanks to Channel 9. The Bali bombings killed more than 200 people, including 88 Australians. Former Prime Minister Scott Morrison is set to appear at the RoboDebt Royal Commission in Brisbane today. Yesterday, the former Foreign Affairs Minister Maurice Payne gave evidence. She was Human Services Minister at the time. The Automated Welfare Debt Recovery Scheme was launched. 
that was found to have wrongly collected an estimated $720 million. To New South Wales now, and a climate change protester has been granted bail as she launches an appeal against her 15-month sentence. As our reporter Sasha Barbagad explains, the woman was arrested after blocking the Sydney Harbour Bridge in April. That's right, Tash and Deanna Violet Marie Coco also became the first person to be charged under the New South Wales government's tough new protesting laws. The 32-year-old was facing two years behind bars and a $22,000 fine after driving a truck onto the bridge during peak hour eight months ago, blocking lanes and firing a flare from the roof. She pleaded guilty to several charges and was sentenced to a non-parole period of eight months. But Ms Coco has now launched an appeal against the severity of the ruling, a judge yesterday allowing her to be released under strict bail conditions. She can't travel within a K of the Harbour Bridge and can only enter Sydney for her court dates. The matter returns to the District Court in March. While academic results have started to bounce back to pre-COVID levels for many students, it's been revealed some schools are now offering Year 12 students major cash incentives to study hard and do well. And as James Lake reports from Melbourne, in some cases, thousands of dollars are up for grabs. These incentives certainly weren't on offer when I finished Year 12, Tash. But yes, some students wrapping up high school this year have been tempted with $10,000 carrots to do well. Now, some of Victoria's most popular independent schools like Sirius and Altaqua Colleges are among those putting up the cash prizes in the thousands as rewards for students who receive the highest ATARs. One school's top prize this year was even $15,000. Some education experts have questioned the ethics and effectiveness, though, saying perhaps it's unfair because most schools can't afford to offer such big rewards when everyone does have to do the same work. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. Happy Wednesday. Now, we all love some good news. This could be a silver lining in the lead up to Christmas. It seems we're a little less pessimistic about the economy at the moment. Tash, good morning. That's a great way to put it, actually, because uh, we're not exactly optimistic, but the levels of consumer confidence aren't great. But they bounced back nicely from last month. Now, again, that's not sensational news because last month's numbers were almost as bad as they were during COVID, or the worst of COVID anyway, the initial burst that we had when everyone kind of worried what might come next. So, look, a bit of an improvement is very, very welcome. I think it was probably going to happen. Uh, But the good news is we're feeling a little less pessimistic, as you say and hopefully that will filter through. We want the RBA to slow the economy a bit, but not so much. If that consumer confidence had stayed that low for too long, we really did risk a serious recession. So a bounce back, very, very welcome. Yeah, we all need some good news at the moment, Scott. And there's some promising news out of the US. It seems we may finally be tackling inflation. Yeah, look... (laughs) It's a strange old world, isn't it? 7.1% inflation overnight uh, from the US, their CPI number. That was down from 7.7%. And I don't know, I'm an optimist by nature, Tasha, as you well know. We've had our inflation, our monthly inflation number drop as well only a couple of weeks ago. For the US to be now going through the same thing, there is some hope that maybe, just maybe, we're breaking the back of those higher prices. This is the lowest inflation rate in the US in a year. 
So that's really positive. Look, 7.1, still extraordinarily high, still way too high. And central banks have probably still got some more work to do, unfortunately. But for those of us who are hoping we might get some sort of softer landing without too much pain, the fact prices are coming down and coming down reasonably quickly from very, very elevated levels is good news. Look, it's not enough yet to say we're definitely there or the RBA doesn't have to do more here at home as the US Fed may have to do there. But if it had been the same or higher, the mountain to climb would have been much, much worse. So I think it's really good news. Hopefully that trend can continue. Yeah, and we all hope there is a, some type of deal. The federal government's been promising it to bring our soaring power bills down, but now it's not good news with the gas companies continuing their battle with the federal government. Shell and Woodside now stopping supply talks. Yeah, this is a real challenge because you, you kind of, you know, I think we, I just say, we all want energy prices to come down. It's not reasonable in a country like ours that people can't afford to heat or cool their homes, particularly through the worst of summer upcoming and then winter after that. So we need a solution here. And the right policy is not obvious, I've got to say. There are downsides everywhere, but the gas company is playing hardball and there are some talks as well, separate to Shell and Woodside, by the way, that um, the, the industry might well another type of you know massive advertising campaign like the super profits tax campaign that ran under kevin rudd many years ago that's the concern is that this might get political very quickly they're certainly playing hardball with the government stopping these talks is a very clear signal uh, to the labor government that they're saying you know what we are going to make it hurt for you we're going to stop these supply talks and more supply is exactly what we need so they're playing hardball whether that's reasonable or not i guess on one level, come on, guys, you make a lot of money. On the other level, they've got shareholders and their shareholders are entitled to say, are you maximising my return? But it's going to get very, very, very messy for the government. The opposition, of course, will make a merry hell on the way through. Hopefully, we can come to a, sort of a reasonable solution so that people aren't paying too much without really undermining the contract law and, and rule of law here in Australia. Yeah, yet again, it seems millions of Australian customers always bear the brunt. Thanks so much, mm. Scott. Does indeed. Thanks, Dars. <laughs> Time for sport now with Josh Conway. Josh, good morning to Cricket First and the Big Bash started off in sensational style last night. The tournament sure did start off with a bang in Canberra overnight Tash with four buys off the final ball, handing the Sydney Thunder a thrilling one-wicket win over the Melbourne Stars. Scores were tied with just one ball remaining and the Stars netting one wicket to win, but their keeper Joe Clark missed the ball to hand Thunder victory. Here is that chaotic final delivery thanks to Fox Sports. It's missed by the keeper. Boys will get the win for the Sydney Thunder. It was Gorinda Sandu who was the hero, belting a six off the third last ball to finish unbeaten on 20 of 16 balls to see his side home. Tonight, the strikers host the Sixers and still on cricket, but in the whites, Scott Boland has won the race for the final spot in the Aussie 11 for the first test against South Africa. Pat Cummins will also return. That one kicks off on Saturday. And the coach, Andrew McDonald, is keeping faith in David Warner, who can't seem to stay out of the headlines as he battles fallout from his leadership ban and a lean run of form. I think he's shown in the past that he can, separating the off-field from the on-field. And you know, we respect and understand David's decision to withdraw from that appeals process. And he's moved forward. We're moving forward as a team. And you know, we've got a you know, seriously good opponent confronting us at the Gabbard. Boland keeping his place means Michael Nisa will miss out on playing on his home ground. And Josh, how sensational are our Golden Girls doing it again in the pool? Yeah, they have Tash. Emma McKeon showed why she is our most successful Olympian ever, leading Australia to 4 by 100 relay gold and a new world record at the World Short Course Championships in Melbourne overnight. McKeon finished with a blistering final leg, 
becoming the first woman ever to swim a freestyle relay split under 50 seconds. Here's how it finished. Thanks to Nine. She's powering to the wall. The Aussies are going to win it for the first time, and they've broken the world record. Rising star Lani Pallister early took out our other gold in the 400 freestyle. And a place in the World Cup final awaits either Argentina or Croatia. Those two are currently battling it out this morning in Qatar. Tomorrow, it's favourites France up against Morocco. And just on the world game too, Tash, the fallout from the A-League's decision to hand Sydney the next three grand finals doesn't look like dying down. More clubs came out yesterday to lash the decision, but it looks like the competition is sticking fat. They've released a statement saying they're committed to the deal with New South Wales after an emergency board meeting yesterday. And that is what is making news across the sporting world. Big day again. Thanks so much, Josh. And the design of Queen Elizabeth II's commemorative coin will be revealed today. It's set to look similar to current coins, but will have a special 1952 to 2022 title above Her Majesty's profile, paying tribute to her extraordinary reign as Queen. The next step for the Mint will be transitioning to new coins with King Charles, with an announcement with all the details expected from the federal government early next year. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda in your podcast feed from 7am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. Listener.